This is a, a shear that's going to be on Tshuva. This is sponsored by friends of David Wicksal in his memory. Lilui Nishma David Ben Mordechai Shmuel Zichron Olivracha. I wanted to remind you of the fact that the Torah is quite convinced of the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron with him sinned uh, a sin that could be called Chilul Hashem right in the Torah it says I don't have these psukim on the sheet but you remember them probably Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe and Aaron you did not sanctify me, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu. And the punishment is that Moshe Rabbeinu will not go into Eretz Israel and will not be able to uh, participate with all the rest of the people in the culmination of his shlichut of the of whatever he was sent to lead the Israel to. So all of that, all of that is well known. All of that is well known. So if you ask yourself uh, the question, I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu must have done tshuva. No, it says in the parsha Vetchanan, Vetchanan el Hashem. We know that tefillah, I mean, we say it unasana tokef, but not, you know, unasana tokef is a, is a very tough piyut. Like, whatever the efforts that were made to get rid of piyutin in the machzor of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, they were not able to affect, they were not able to affect unasana tokef. No one wants to give up on the And you know in shul, wherever you were in shul, there's a great awakening for the Sanitokif. The chazan, whoever that may be, puts on the best show of the day when he says or he sings Unasanitokif. Now the Sanitokif tells us this principle that tefillah, tefillah is equal to tshuva and tzedakah, uh, which puts tefillah at a very high level. So here's Moshe Rabbeinu, here's Moshe Rabbeinu, he's davening, so davening equals, equals charata, equals uh, you know, unhappiness about what I have done. I, I, I admit it. I admit that I did something terrible. And I'm not going to do it again. Certainly Moshe Rabbeinu did not do it, did not do it again. And yet, and yet this, this uh, tshuva, which I think is implied in the words of Moshe Rabbeinu, is not accepted by heaven. It's not accepted by heaven. So that, that you have this kind of a problem, I think, where on the one hand, we know that tshuva should work. Even if it doesn't work 100%, it should somehow modify uh, your position before God. And that's what the Rambam, the Rambam is going to tell us in a minute. So Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu and tshuva are a kind of a problem. Like where, what happened to Moshe Rabbeinu? Why couldn't he do tshuva? And I, I, looking at it from the other side, of course you know, that we don't even know what his transgression was. I mean, what did Moshe Rabbeinu do that was so terrible? I mean, it would seem from Rashi that God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, speak to the rock. And Moshe Rabbeinu, no. Which way? Moshe Rabbeinu should speak to the rock, and then Moshe Rabbeinu went and, and hit the rock. So, okay. Hitting the rock is not the same as speaking in the rock, but it's not as though you've diminished the miraculous nature of whatever's going on. I mean, one would not 
expect speaking to the rock to produce water, and one would not expect hitting the rock to produce, to produce the, the water. So what exactly was it that Moshe Rabbeinu did that was so unacceptable? Now the Mepharshim, throughout, throughout the ages, the Rishonim summarized by the Abarbanel, if you looked there, if you look at the Barbanel, you see that the Barbanel goes through all of the possibilities that were brought. And he says, you know, none of them are compelling. None of them are compelling, according to the, the Barbanel. So that's the first thing that I, want, that I wanted to say. I wanted to, to, to mention the words of the Chumash, right, at the end of Dvarim, right, in Azinu, close to where we are actually, right? What's this parsha this week? Vayelech. So we're close, right? We're close to the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. It says, Ki mm-hmm. Yisrael. You did not sanctify me. You did not sanctify me. You know, when you say it in English, you think you, it means something. But as it is with words, just because you hear a word a lot of times doesn't not mean that you really understand it in its original context, or in any context, for that matter. I mean, what is it about men that could produce sanctity for God? I mean, it's like a little bit, uh, it's out of our, our league. So if you look at the sheet that you have, you see that the Rambam comes to a conclusion. He says, Kol Beit Yisrael Mitzuvim al-Kiddush Hashem. The first, the first thing on the sheet. Kol Beit Yisrael Mitzuvim al-Kiddush Hashem. So the Rambam says, it's not just Moshe Rabbeinu who transgressed, but it's every one of us who has an obligation to do Kiddush Hashem. Right? We have to sanctify God's name. As though, I mean, God is missing something, missing us, sanctifying his name. And then he says, Shneemar. And you know the Rambam system, whenever he says it's a mitzvah, it means there's a pasuk. The pasuk is, Nikdashti, Betok B'nei Yisrael, Vayikra. Umuzharin, Shalolechalelo. And we are warned against Chilul Hashem. Right? The opposite of sanctifying God's name which is to, uh, well, whatever that might mean, lechalel. What? I don't know if it means the black. I, I don't know what? Defile? Normally they say desecrate. Which? Desecrate. Oh, desecrate. Okay. Look, you know, I'm not good at translations. It says in the Pasuk, do not, quote, unquote, desecrate. Do not desecrate God's name. So this Rabbah opens up and he says, on the one hand, we have an obligation for Kiddush Hashem. On the other hand, we have a prohibition against Chilul Hashem. And then the Rabbah says, Ketzad. So how do you do it? I mean, how do you go running around looking for Kiddush Hashem? How do you go running around avoiding Chilul Hashem? What do you do? So he says, "Shiamod oveiko chavim v'yenoset Yisrael lavor lachat b'kol mitzvot amurot b'Torah." Oh yeah, genu. He says, "Some, you know, the Rambam knew about this. The Rambam had a very difficult life. Um, the first thirty years of his life, until he got to Alexandria, in Egypt, where he found peace and stability. His family." Uh, was constantly on the move, running away from one kind of oppression or the other. You know that in Spain, in those days, there was like Christian Spain and Muslim Spain. And everybody, Christians and Muslims alike, thought that the Jews were in the wrong place. So the Rambam, the Rambam suffered, actually suffered from the pressure that was brought to bear on him and his family during those years until he was about, until he came to be about 30 years, about 30 years old. So he brings an example. He says, if some non-Jew wants to force me, right, he says to, uh, 
to deny a mitzvah. It says you eat this ham sandwich. Otherwise, if you don't eat the ham sandwich, I will kill you. It was you should uh, uh, eat the ham sandwich and don't let him kill you. And it's a mitzvah that given to us to live with and not to die because of them. If you, if you die, you know, as you say, I'm not going to eat that ham sandwich. And then the guy comes and kills you. So the Rambam says, he, he says, I mean, he's already dead, but, but his, his position, I guess, in Olam Haba is adversely affected if he does that. That's the first thing the Rambam says. So the Rambam has this theory, which is found already in the Gemara, that there are three mitzvot that are so important that, that, that even in a situation described above, you can't allow yourself to transgress those mitzvot. Uh, like, and what are they? Idolatry and sexual offenses and murder. Those three things, those three things you're not allowed to do in any case. What? So, so, so the, Ram, the Rambam says, the Rambam says this, what is, how, how do you sanctify God's name? How do you sanctify God's name? Well, you, you want to live. Living is sanctification of God's name. Except in a particular case, three mitzvot, three mitzvot where sanctifying God's name means allowing uh, uh, the goyim to, uh, the goy, the non-Jew, to kill you rather than transgress. Those three mitzvot are idolatry, sexual offenses, and, uh, and uh, murder. Okay? That's what the Rambam says. That's what the Rambam says. So, if you read the Rambam, and it's a little bit, uh, a little bit odd. I mean, does that have something to do with us, this Rambam? Are we, are we involved here in any way? I mean, it's not something that's happened recently. I mean, it's throughout history, I guess. It has happened from time to time. For some reason, the, the Jews have always been in annoyance, right, in, in foreign cultures or foreign countries. Uh, and so, so they have been oppressed in this way. But for us, it's like a little bit uh, different. Okay. Now look at the bottom of the page. The bottom of the page uh, is a quote from the Gemara in Masechet Yuma Dapeva Vamad Aleph. We're going to learn the Gemara. Sha'al Rabbi Matya ben Harash et Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah ben Romi. Romi is Rome. Shemata Aba Chalukei Kapara Shaya Rabbi Yishmael Doresh. Did you did you hear about the four? Chalukei Kapara. So, so here, um, um, there was a kind of an, a, a, an interesting question that the Chachamim dealt with. And that question was, how does tshuva affect your position? Like you, you transgressed during the year, and now you do tshuva. You do tshuva really very enthusiastically and very devotedly. So what happens? to all the transgressions that you participated in. So the conclusion in the Gemara is, well, it depends. Even though you would have thought perhaps that tshuva takes care of it, but in fact, the Gemara says that tshuva alone does not take care of all the problems that we may have created during the, in the recent past. And so, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi ben Harash asked Rabbi Lazar, did you hear about 
the distinctions that were made by Rabbi Ishmael. Uh, Amar, he's answered him, Shloshayim, Uchuva in kol echad vechad. That actually, there are only three distinctions. And for each of these distinctions, you have to do tshuva. Tshuva doesn't take, might not take care of the problem, but it's helpful. It gets you along. So every time you transgress, you have to do tshuva. So the Rambam says, I mean the Gemara says, Avaralas essay, v'shav. Let's say you didn't fulfill a positive commandment. You didn't do something that the Torah wants you to do. Wants you to take a lulav, wants you to eat a matzah. You didn't do what the Torah wants you to do. So the Gemara says, Avar al esei b'shav, you didn't perform the positive commandment that you should have performed. V'shav, and you do tshuva. You do tshuva means I feel badly that I did it, that I won't do it again, and I'll be a different kind of, have a different attitude in the future. You don't move. In other words, meaning symbolically, that a person who does tshuva for something that he didn't do, that he was supposed to do, he receives uh, atonement. He's atoned immediately, right, right on the spot. You can be confident. Uh, return my sons, the wayward ones. Right? That there is such a thing. Sometimes wayward, the wayward the sons actually return. Second, says, but what if you transgressed by doing something that you're not supposed to do? Right? What happens if you did eat that? non-kosher sandwich, right? That's avar alotase. The Torah says, don't eat it, and you ate it. Avar alotase vasat tshuva, tshuva tola, v'yom ha-kippurim mechaper, tshuva tola. Somehow, tshuva works to prevent you from being punished. But it does not grant you absolution. What grants you absolution? Yom mechaper. But, in other words, you do tshuva, you did this, you transgressed the law, you did tshuva. The tshuva does not take care of the issue entirely, but it affects a postponement until Yom HaKippurim. Right? And then, on Yom HaKippurim mechaper. Then when Yom Kippurim comes, somehow Yom Kippurim does it. Next week you would say this this line many times, right? Which we take to mean today that the day of Yom Kippurim affects Kapara somehow affects Kapara whether you have to show up or you don't have to show up. I mean, all these are interesting questions. But that's what the Gemara says. Now, what if, what if you transgressed the, the, the most awful kinds of transgressions? A transgression for which you would be high of the death penalty. Right? The, the, you would be or kritut, or to be cut off from the Jewish people in heaven, right? This terrible, the most terrible punishment. So tshuva v'yom kipurim tolin. So tshuva works a little bit. Tshuva and yom kipurim work a little bit more for that person, right? So you need tshuva, you need yom kipurim, and then yisurim mimartin. Yisurim are afflictions. Right, physical affliction, mimarkim. Lemarek means to, to purify. Like you could purify, sorry, take out the, uh, out of a metal, uh, something that is uh, unnecessary or unwanted. That's Yisurim mimarkim. You get it? So the, the, the Gemara, the Gemara has taught us, the Gemara has taught us that tshuva, is a necessary component in every process of repentance, 
but it's not always the ultimate component. And sometimes tshuva is enough. Sometimes tshuva needs Yom HaKippurim working together. And sometimes tshuva, Yom HaKippurim are not enough and you need Yisurim, you need affliction lemarek. okay? Aval, you see that word aval? That word is the reason we went through all this again. <laughs> aval, that's always a good word, you know. Aval. However, Forget about it. Right? You do tshuva, you're there in tshuva and yom kippurim, you get Yisurim from heaven, you know, however you get them, right? It doesn't work. What's the only thing that works? Misa, death. Your death might lead to atonement from those Averot. So it says, so if you, if you go back to the example of Moshe Rabbeinu, so it's kind of clear. It's clear, well, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, who came first, you know, the, the horse or the cart. I don't know. But what does it say? What does it say in the Gemara about Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu had to die. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu have to die and not go to Eretz Yisrael? Because he was accused of Chilul Hashem. And since Moshe Rabbeinu was probably also, also a subject to the uh, idea of Tshuva and Kapora, Right? There was no choice. It wasn't as though HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, was particularly unhappy with Moshe Rabbeinu. It was just that if Moshe Rabbeinu's sin is called Chilul Hashem, if that's what it's called, and that's what the Torah says that it's called, so here the, the Gemara says, death is the only way to receive atonement. And since Moshe Rabbeinu really asked for, what did he ask for? What did, what did Moshe Rabbeinu ask for? Skip it. Let's skip the last, I mean, tshuva I did. And Yom HaKippurim I participated in. And Yisurim I have from B'nai Yisrael, etc. However you explain it. But let's skip Miso. That's Moshe Rabbeinu's request. And that was what was denied Moshe Rabbeinu. Not because, of course, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu had to be a model for the correct ordering of things. He, he, couldn't, uh, he couldn't just be... Uh... Okay. I just, I just read it from the Gemara. I know, I understand you read it, but... So how could I argue? themselves actually purify you? You like you might have afflictions in order to purify you, or how does that work? I don't know. I don't think we cause ourselves afflictions. I think they come upon us. It was noticed. It was noticed that there are people who suffer. There are people in the world who suffer, uh, physically, and and. uh, it's not unreasonable to ask in a world that is directed by God, why is it that some people suffer and some people do not? So one of the conclusions, one of the answers to that question is that some of the people who suffer, suffer because they are supposed to suffer. It's good for them to suffer, it's proper for them to suffer, something, something of that kind. It's not something that I know too much about. I don't know anything about it. But that's what the Gemara says. That's what the Gemara says. Now, the reason that I read the Gemara is for the next line. We're up to the next line. The next line says, Only death can deal with the, the reality of somebody who is accused of Chilul Hashem Shinemar and then the Pesach, right? Hechi Dome Chilul Hashem. You see that? 
It's exactly five lines, six lines from the bottom. The last words on the line. Hechi dame chilul Hashem. Hechi dame So we've learned up to now, up to now, the different people, depending on their transgression, achieve atonement in a kind that may achieve atonement in a different way. Not the same way for everybody. Some people, for some people, tshuva is enough. For others, tshuva and Yom Kippurim. For another group, tshuva, Yom Kippurim and Yisurim. And finally, for Chilul Hashem, Chilul Hashem, tshuva, Yom Kippurim, Yisurim, and Misa. So the Gemara says, Hechidami Chilul Hashem. Hechidami Chilul Hashem. What is, what is this, what are we talking about? Obviously, the Gemara didn't think that people are going to go around and be able to do the Aveira of Moshe Rabbeinu, that they'll be given a specific task to do from God and that they would change it somehow. No, this is, what are we talking about? What is it that you're talking about? Is it the Chilul Hashem that, that the Rambam mentions? Remember the Rambam's Chilul Hashem? If, uh, if the, the, the oppressor says, eat the ham sandwich, treif sandwich, eat the treif sandwich, that you should eat it. You should eat it as long as, uh, as it's not one of the three grand mitzvot that we have to keep. That's what the Rambam said. So Rav says Rav was the first generation of Amoraim in Bavel, right? A very important person, a very important person in terms of the transmission of the halachot in the, in the Babylonian Talmud. I mean, Rav is, is the linchpin, is the linchpin of the Rav and Shmuel. Rav and Shmuel are the first generation of Moraim in Bavel, and Rav was in Eretz Israel, studied Eretz Israel, went to Bavel, and, and produced many, many sugyot that are in the Talmud Bavel. So you're talking about a truly great man who was recognized in his own day as being a great man. So Omar Rav, I'll tell you what Chilul Hashem is. It's me. It's like me. It's like meaning. It's like what I do. What do I do? When I go and buy a piece of meat from a butcher, Tavcho is a butcher, and I don't give him money, I don't pay him immediately. That's called Chilul Hashem, right? Abaye comes along and he says, Lo shanu boy. He says, we must be talking about a place where, the, where the, it's not common for the seller to go and ask for his money later on. But if it is common, then Rav's position would not be, uh, uh, would not be relevant. Omar Ravina, Ravina is several generations later. Motamachasya Atra de Tevoyi. Motamachasya is the name of the place where there was a big yeshiva that Ravina was, uh, was in charge of. Motamachasya Atra de So, in other words, what did Rav say? What did Rav, we'll see, you will, maybe we'll look at the Gemara. But one, one thing, one more line. Abaye. You see Abaye? If he took meat from a store which was run by two partners, you know, two brothers were the butchers. So he says, If he would buy two zoos worth of meat, he would give one zoos to one brother and another zoos to another brother. And then later on he would, he would bring them both together, you know, the two brothers, and then they would make the cheshbon. So each of them would know that he gave half the, he paid half to the, the, the other brother. This was, uh, this was, uh, um, this was Ravino. No, I'm sorry. This is Abaye. So that's okay or that's not okay? It is okay. He didn't want, what we're going to see, uh, Rashi explains it in a minute. You see Rashi? Uh, see Rashi says, Chilul Hashem? It's exactly the middle of the printed Rashi. 
Exactly in the middle. The words are highlighted. Chilul Hashem. Now that's, that's Chilul Hashem. Right? So Rashi says, you know what Chilul Hashem is? Chotei umachti achirim. Chotei umachti achirim. I don't know exactly what that means, but let's think a minute about Ravina. Ravina said, I want to pay, I want to pay right away. Or Abayi said, I want to pay this partner and that partner. I don't want anybody to think. So what he did, what he would have done, had he not been on that level of thoughtfulness, it wouldn't have been a chotei. You could always pay one, one of the brothers, and you figure he'll be honest and pass it on to the other brother. I mean, why, why would you think they're all criminals? They all want to steal one from the other. But Rashi says, Rashi says, Chilul Hashem chotei umachti achirim. What does chotei umachti achirim mean? Okay. You see now two, line, two Rashi's down. Lo yehivna domi la'altar. You see lo yehivna domi la'altar. The first word on the line is la'altar. It's like six or seven lines up from the bottom. Listen to this. I don't pay him right away. I say, okay, you know, write, write it down. You know, that's an Israeli, uh, an Israeli game. You know, there used to be a makolet. Remember makolet? So now they, so now they have credit cards. No, they, right. still, they, they still have it in the parts of a, a box and stuff because a lot of customers don't have, don't have credit cards. You know, I, uh, I live in Matisdorf, <laughs> which is in the 17th century. <laughs> we have a makolet. <laughs> you have to tell me about a But the idea is, the idea is it's very accepted. Very accepted not to pay immediately. You pay after a while, right, if you, if you can. It's annoying to take out the money all the time and to, and to pay. So this is the Rashi says. Kshani hu shani gazlan. He says, if I don't pay him sooner than the guy who I owe the money to, he's going to say, I'm not a crook. You know, I mean, you're, you're a big Talmud Chochem, but you're, but you're a crook. Shani gazlan v'lamad mi meni you see the brilliance of Rashi. It's just wonderful. He says, what happens? Rashi, what happens if Ravina doesn't pay his debt right away? So you say, oh, that's what it means to be a great scholar. What does it mean to be a Talmud Chacham? You can steal. You can steal a little bit. I don't want to refer to newspaper uh, articles of the recent past. But, but this is Rashi. This is what Rashi says. Ravina says. Ravina says, Machti achirim. What is it that you do when you, uh, when you don't pay on time? What is Chilul Hashem? Chilul Hashem means that you lessen the importance of a divine command. You lessen that, the importance. You say, here's a, a big Talmud Chacham. Like, seems to me, it's like, for example, you know people know the law or who are well versed in halakha. They know that there are in situations there might be a trick. You might be able to, you don't have to do what everybody else does. You could do it a different way. But if everybody else doesn't understand what you're doing, they might come to the conclusion that you just, you know, you, you, you don't think it's a serious matter. You don't think that, that it's a, a, a problem. You don't think it's a problem, and so that's what the person is going to do. Okay? Uh, the last, right next to the last Rashi, two lines from the bottom. Yaiv zuzah lahai v'zuzah lahai. Shem lo yadach ha-beirosh enetativ lo v'yesh kan chilul Hashem. In other words, the two partners, you pay one partner, you don't pay the other partner. So the other one doesn't know that you paid. 
that you paid, you may have paid the entire, entire sum. But because he doesn't know that you paid, he'll say, oh, you know, you're a rabbi, rabbis don't pay. So we're talking about, we're talking about someone who didn't really transgress. That's what the, uh, that's what it says. So the Rambam in references, references these things, right? And he says, if you look at the top of the page, right? The Rambam in Perak Hay, no, I mean in Perak Aleph, not the top of the page, the second part. Rambam El Chotshuva, Perak Aleph, Allah The Rambam says this. You're going to see that the Rambam repeats our Gemara that we just learned. Even though Tshuva does the job always, always takes care of something. So the Rambam says, the Rambam says, Tshuva always works. Yom Kippurim always works. That doesn't mean that Tshuva takes care of 100% of your problem or that Yom Kippurim takes care of 100% of your problem. He says, Ketzad. Uh, this is the Gemara, right? If you look at the uh, three lines from the bottom, the last, the last word on the sentence is The Rambam says, when does this work? This whole system, which includes Tshuva, Yom Kippurim, and Yisurin. When does this work? If you did not produce Chilul Hashem. Then the Ramam, what's the next words? B'Sha'ah Sha'avar. What does B'Sha'ah Sha'avar mean? When you transgress. That means that any transgression in the world, any transgression in the world can be turned into Chilul Hashem. In, 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 in other words, if you are the kind of person about whom people will say, oh, it's not that important. The mitzvah is not so important. The Torah, you don't have to listen to the Torah. That becomes a Chilul Hashem. And that's every single transgression possible every single one, right, so that the Rambam says, as Rashi said, remember Rashi? Rashi says, Chotei Umachti. Any transgression that you do can become, can become Chilul Hashem. So he says, But if you do Chilul Hashem, so the Rambam says, again, every single transgression can be turned into Chilul Hashem. It's true, it's true that the Rambam only did it for, that Moshe Rabbeinu did it only for a particular transgression, but any transgression, as, the, as Rashi says, can be turned into chotei umachti, v'shelochilat Hashem, etc. Ela tshuva, yom ha-kipurim, v'yisurin, shloshtan tolim, u'mita mechaperet, sh'nemar v'negla v'azne Hashem tzvaot, im yichupar avon hazele, ad timbutun. So the Rambam, the Rambam, doesn't really tell us what Chilul Hashem is, but he opens the door to the understanding of it. Interestingly, the Rambam in Hilchot Yisodei Torah, which we started from, right? Remember, we started talking about Hilchot Yisodei Torah. So if you look at Halacha Yud Aleph, that's at the top of the page, right? First Halacha Aleph, then Halacha Yud Aleph. The Rambam says this, and this is a chapter about Chilul Hashem, but not the kind of Chilul Hashem that we're talking about. So a technical Chilul Hashem. Like what do you do if, 
if, uh, if somebody is forcing you to, to, to eat non-kosher food, well, what do you do? So the Ramam answers that question. And he says it's connected to your understanding of what Kiddush Hashem is, what Chilol Hashem is. The Ramam in Halacha Yud Aleph, in that chapter, says, Besides what I have mentioned to you, which is based on Psukim, if you remember, right? Look at Halacha Aleph. Yisrael. You have to do something to produce Kiddush Hashem. But here in Yud Aleph, Aloha Yud Aleph, the Rambam says, Yesh Tvarim Achirim Shehem Bechlal Chilul Hashem. Chilul Hashem is a wide ranging concept. Behu Shiyasartam Adam Gadol Batorah. And we're talking about a person who is a great Torah scholar and well known for his uh, special devotions, Chasidut. Things that people tell, they talk about him. And they say, oh, you know, he did this, or he did that, or he did the other things. Averot, here the Rambam says it, even though that which he is doing is not a transgression, even though it's not a transgression to uh, uh, buy something on credit, if the seller is willing to give you the credit. It's not a transgression certainly to pay one of two partners when there are two partners who are selling something, it's not a transgression. And here the Rambam says it, they are not transgressions. Remember that? You take something and you don't pay immediately. You're talking about someone who can afford it. And the, and the, the, the sellers come and they say, could you pay me? And he says, oh, I'll pay it tomorrow. I'll pay it tomorrow morning. That could be that he, he's doing it for a legitimate reason. But it looks bad. That's what the Rambam, that's called Achilul Hashem. He says, he says, a person, you know, sits around and laughs with, with, uh, with you know, idol goers and, uh, and uh, sits around with uh, guys sitting and drinking and, and doesn't speak calmly and quietly. He doesn't look upon them uh, in a nice way about Tatavakaz, he gets angry easily and he fights with people. He says everything, everything is the according to the to the level of a of a particular of that particular person. So we understand. We understand what the transgression of Moshe Rabbeinu was, according to the Rambam. Even though the Rambam himself explains it a different way. But here we can explain it as follows. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, speak to the rock. Moshe Rabbeinu hit the rock. So in the world of the Jews of the desert, Miracles were not something that you didn't expect. But the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu did not accept the directive of HaKadosh Baruch Hu precisely as it was given, tended, tended perhaps to make people think that you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to accept the directive of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's called the Chilul Hashem. And that was the uh, transgression for which Moshe Rabbeinu, for Moshe Rabbeinu was found, found to be guilty. All of this, to all of this, I would like to add one thing. We, we, we live in a different world. I'll tell you uh, the difference. There was a world once, you know, everybody knew that Rav 
and Rav Shmuel, and Shmuel, Rav and Shmuel, Ravina, Ravashi, were the Gedolim. They were clearly the people that the Ramam is talking about. But today, in today's world, in today's world, I mean, I think, I think it's true that uh, people are interested in finding gedolim for themselves. Like, they don't have a real way of making the assessment. Who, who is a great person? I mean, I don't know. I mean, who is a great scholar? Most people are not able to make that kind of assessment. So you have a lot of people who play that role. Today, there are many people, that, I mean, I'm talking in a positive way. I'm not saying thinking that they're not usurping anything. But, but there are, for example, uh, rabbis all over the world. Uh, not all the rabbis are equally competent in, uh, in uh, Talmud. Not all the rabbis are equally competent in, in halakha, which doesn't mean that they won't have a following, that they won't be people who, who are interested in their opinions and what they have to say. It's also true, it's also true that, that people who keep the Torah tend to become experts to some group around them. In other words, everybody Everybody who is a, uh, tries to be halachic, tries to do what the Torah wants us to do, could be in this category of, uh, you have to make sure that people are not gonna misunderstand you. You can't say, a person can say, well, I'm just regular, and therefore nobody's gonna pay attention to what I do, and no one is going to be uh, unhappy with my, uh, with my positions. So I'll, I'll take the maximum credit that I'll, I'll, I, I won't talk to people when I meet them in the street and I don't have to be. Because, because for some group of people, for some group of people, someplace, you represent, you represent the Torah. And, and, and therefore, therefore you're, uh, the, the possibility that you might Get yourself involved in Chilul Hashem really exists. You can't say, you can't say, well, I'm, I'm nobody. So no one's going to suspect me of denying uh, God's word. And you know, the Rabbah says, the Rabbah says this includes uh, being angry easily, uh, uh, not being pleasant when you meet other people that you, uh, that you know. He says, the Rabbah says, all of that. Produce, can produce Chilul Hashem in a, in a great scholar. But I think that it might produce Chilul Hashem within a particular context, even for people who don't see themselves as great scholars, but others look upon them as the source of their uh, uh, understanding and their strength and their... Uh, so that, that everybody has to be concerned, not only about the Aveira, and not only about living in a better way or acting in a better way to, to others than we, we might ordinarily do, but we have to be concerned about the fact that everything can be turned into a Chilul Hashem. And Chilul Hashem means that you generate misunderstanding about the, uh, the importance of, of accepting the Torah position. You generate misunderstanding. You say, oh, it's not that important, not that important to be friendly, not that important to be pleasant-minded to, to others. It's not so important. It's not really a basis of, of the Torah, but the Rambam, the Rambam thought that anything that you could understand as being good, reasonable, the right thing to do, is actually the right thing to do. And the rabbi, of course, you know, put this all down in his book, and he calls it Yisodeya Torah. So I think that, uh, I think, you know, in Yom Kippurim, we look, we look for our various. And I think, uh, thankfully, uh, most people don't really don't find them. And we don't really find them. I mean, you know, we're, we're sort of regular people. We're not uh, extraordinary in our... Uh, and our ability to, to transgress. 
we 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 look, we're, we're regular, right? We're regular. We go to we we go where we're supposed to go, and we do what we're supposed to do, and we uh, eat what we're supposed to eat, and we avoid eating what we're not supposed to eat. So we're regular, we're regular. But but we have to understand, I think, that even regular people find themselves acting as models, as uh, as uh, uh, you know, and and somehow with the representation re representing representing the Torah in an, in an interesting way to the people around them. Like everybody has a circle around them, some people that they look to and others who look to them. And when it comes to the people looking to them, you have this issue of, uh, of Chilul Hashem. And it would seem to be, in spite of the fact that, as I said, the Ramam has a different take on it himself, the, the, that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu is the, is the, is the proof. Moshe is the proof. I mean, could you think that Moshe Rabbeinu would be mechalel at Hashem? That Moshe Rabbeinu would want to do something against, against God? Moshe Rabbeinu, he had his, whatever his idea was, whatever the reason he hit the rock, he hit the rock. But in fact, in fact, people looking at Moshe Rabbeinu, watching him act in the world, would come to the wrong conclusion. Chotei umachti. That's what the Rambam says. Even if what you did was not strictly speaking a transgression. After all, the Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to get water in a miraculous way for B'day Yisrael, and that was certainly, certainly miraculous. Nevertheless, this doubt that could have crept into the people, into the minds of the people who said, well, you don't have to be so precise. You don't have to do it exactly, right, as Moshe Rabbeinu received it uh, from heaven. So that the problem of Chilul Hashem might be a problem that everybody should consider on Yom HaKippurim, uh, something that we can, uh, uh, because I think we can think about it. I think it's something that is, um, can be thought about, it doesn't demand superhuman strength or, or knowledge. So, uh, I wish you much, Simon Table. All the